Dear God, I thank you for tonight. Thank you for just allowing us to be able to come together and, and lift you up in worship and go into your word. I just pray that you uh, bless the time that we do have tonight uh, as we go once again into the book of Psalms. Just uh, pray that you would open our hearts uh, to what you would have us take away from this evening and that it would just be a good time of uh, fellowship and sharing and uh, going into your word. Pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, so we will be going through a chapter in the book of Psalms, as we have been for uh, quite a while now. Um, so I do have paper. I can give you those. Okay. And there you go. All right. So tonight we're going to be in Psalm chapter 28. And we'll be go- there's nine verses that we're going to be going through. Yeah. I just want to say, like, that song was so awesome. Just, like, in the whole thing, because, like, I really discouraged today about, like, the state of the church. And, like, that song was just so cool to be able to, like, you know what? No matter what, like, there's even if there's just a few of us that we're going to sing. And, you know, it's just really cool. Like, because the church is, like, getting so corrupt. It's just, like, what is going on? You know, like, yeah. Flamey Grant? Really? Flamey Grant? Come on. Yeah. And, like, swearing in Christian lyrics and stuff. And, like, and other, like, big, like, people that would be recognized in the church think it's okay to, I can't even really say it in church, but, like, as far as, there's AI-generated sex, child, pornography, and this big name that all of you would know thinks it's okay to, you know what, to the child porn. And it's like... I don't, like, the church is just, like, it's, like, shocking. Like, I, the world you expected, right? Mm. So I just thank you for that song. It was just, like, very... Awesome. Yeah, it can, def- it can definitely be discouraging uh, looking around. Um, one thing that is encouraging is that regardless of how much the world and, yeah, even the church can start to stray that way, we know God is never changing. That's right. Um, and we can continue to look to him. And we do also know that there is going to be that one day when everyone is going to bow before him and acknowledge who he is. So, yeah, as long as we keep remembering that, holding on to that and do our job to make sure that is known. And, yeah, even calling out when, when we see things like that, especially in the church. Um, yeah, just continuing to look to him. So. Mm. Unfortunately, there's bad and good that go along with it. The bottom line 
Yeah, it, 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 it's almost kind of like that feeling when you're driving down the road, you're doing everything right, and somebody goes flying by, and, you know, you know they're not going to get pulled over. It's almost that kind of same kind of thing. Like, they're doing something clearly wrong, not getting checked, and, you know, there's there's not much that you can do. But in this sense, we can continue to, to speak the truth, and like you, like you said, Jeff, knowing that ultimately they are going to pay for for what they are doing obviously we continue to pray for them but what's even more frustrating about it and sad really is that it is these people on these pretty big stages and all the people that are listening and you know that as far as they are concerned they think they're hearing because this person is up here they they look like this um maybe they open the bible but then they distort it and all that but um, and actually it's, it's, uh, kind of interesting that we talk about this because, uh, the Psalm that we're going to be going through is Psalm 28. Uh, you guys have your papers and, uh, I don't want to, you know, get too much into it before I give you guys time to go through it. Um, but as far as what we're talking about in this passage, David is basically praying for punishment on the wicked. He wants, uh, his wicked enemies to, uh, be punished. And so we're going to kind of, kind of be touching on what we've already been talking about, looking for God's judgment for the wicked. Um, but so hopefully, you know, it's, it's awesome how God kind of works that way. Um, like you said, Avi, the song, how that, you know, worked perfectly. And this, the song that we're going through, um, and how it all kind of, God always has the answer for what we're going through. Sometimes it might not seem like that because maybe we aren't paying full attention, like he's trying to tell us, and but we're thinking that the answer is going to be something else. We're expecting the answer to be this, but it's actually this over here. And he's saying, I'm giving you the answer, but because you're not looking for this, you think I'm not giving you an answer. Um, but it's so cool when we're able to see how God works like this, using that song, using this passage, uh, just to kind of uh, address different things that we're dealing with. So um, we're... And really quick, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Like, thank you so much for being here, really. Seriously, like, it's so cool that, like, there's even just us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so cool that there's people that love the Lord that are here. So thank you for being here, even though, like, 
Well, and you know, sometimes um, Julie was talking uh, this last week in the office about grief share. Um, and they had a little bit of a smaller group this last week, I think just a, a hand, a two or three people. But the one person who was in there um, was somebody who isn't super comfortable with sharing all the time. But afterwards, I guess they ended up staying quite a while after talking. But this person had said that she kind of likes it when it's a smaller group because she feels more comfortable to kind of open up and share. Um, so, but yeah, it, like, like you said, it doesn't matter whether we, and I, I always kind of have a mindset and have to remind myself at times as well. Like if we're having um, some kind of teen activity or teen event to remind myself that even if we have like just one kid show up, we can still minister to that kid. Um, so uh, yeah, so we're going to be in Psalm 28. So we're going to do what we normally do with this, give about 10 minutes to kind of go through it, um, break it down nine verses or yeah, nine verses this week. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so, yeah, we'll go ahead and give you guys 10 minutes to do that, and then we'll come back together and kind of break it down.
All right. <clears throat> uh, so real quick, before we break this down, I'm just going to go ahead and read these verses for us in Psalm 28, and then we will dive right into it. <clears throat> it says there, Unto thee I will cry, O Lord, my rock. Be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds and according to their wickedness of their endeavors. Give them after the work of their hands. Render to them their desert. Their desert. Because they regard not the works of the Lord, nor the operations of his hands, he shall destroy them and not build them up. Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. So, uh, right off the bat, if you'd like to uh, kind of bracket these verses, you can kind of break it up into three different sections here. Um, so, the first three verses can be bracketed together and can be titled, categorized as David's cry to be close to the Lord. <clears throat> verses 4 and 5 can be bracketed together uh, as David's call for appropriate judgment. And then verses 6 through 9 uh, can be called David's confession of God's provision. So we're going to kind of break it up in that, uh, in that aspect, in that way as we go through uh, in those different sections of verses. Um, now, we don't know specifically the difficulty that David uh, found himself in when he's writing this. Uh, but the time leading up to Absalom's rebellion uh, would fit as we're reading through this. And um, again, don't know for sure, but the, it, the timing kind of lines up and the, the enemy that he's dealing with kind of lines up with this as well. So these enemies are wicked workers of iniquity and pretend to be David's friends, but we're really working against him. So uh, we're going to go right into it. Obviously, I already said verses one through three, uh, we can... Uh, identify as David's cry to be close to the Lord. David's cry to be close to the Lord. So in these verses, as we break it down, um, first of all, we see David's heart is to be close to the Lord. The, the desire of his heart is to be close to the Lord, to walk in an intimate relationship with him. We just, as we read through these verses, even the ones when he's really kind of looking at the situation around him, um, and it's not looking good. We still see that he's wanting to walk in this intimate relationship with the Lord. And as we continue to go on, we see why he's still in that mindset, basically. Um, but note, as we read through uh, these first few verses, as we go through, there, David prays for two key requests. First of all, he says, speak to me. And second, listen to me. So speak to me and listen to me are the two requests that David has here. Now, this really, God speak to me and God listen to me. These are the essence of our relationship with God, right? Prayer is God hearing our requests and Bible study is us hearing from the Lord. 
So speak to me, speak to me through your word. Listen to me, listen to me, hear my prayer. So the request that he has here, that's, that's kind of where we get this idea of he wants this intimate relationship with the Lord. How are we able to grow our relationship with God? How are we to have this intimate relationship with him? It's by spending time with him in communication that goes two ways. Us praying to him and us and him speaking to us through his word. So that's kind of where we get the basis of him uh, desiring to have this intimate walk with the Lord. Now, it does also seem as we go through here. Um, now, actually, real quick before I get to that point. Uh, did anybody happen to circle or underline or note the word uh, rock or my rock in verse one? Um, now, what's really cool about that, what's really interesting about that, that David is still referring to God as his rock. And we see he's he, he's looking around, he's kind of discouraged with what's going on, and he's asking for judgment on these people. But he's he still isn't doubting God with all that's going on around him. And even as we see, uh, it seems to him, as David saw it, that God was delaying his response. Um, but we can take great comfort knowing, and, and I think David knew, even as we read on in this passage, uh, that God's delays aren't God's denials. So just because God's delaying, again, that delay, as far as he's concerned, he's looking at his timeline of how everything's supposed to play out. He's saying, this isn't delayed. This is right on time. This is perfect timing. But from our perspective, it looks like it's a delay. And a lot of times that delay from God can really kind of feel like him denying us of what we would like to have, what we're asking of him, uh, or even just denying of, of listening to us. Um, but the fact that David still refers to him as my rock, he, he's not doubting God, but he does feel distant due to God, in his, uh, in his view, God's delay. Um, but that, again, that doesn't equal... Uh, it does not equal denial. His delay does not equal denial. And as you finish reading out in verse 1, go down into the pit. Uh, if you want to make a note of this pit, um, he's referring to Sheol. So basically he's saying, um, if thou be silent to me, I, I become like them that go down into the pit. Basically saying, if, if you're silent to me, if I'm not hearing from you, I, I might as well die. I'd, I'd rather be dead if I'm not going to hear from you, if I'm not able to have this intimate relationship with him. So that's why I think even as we're reading through this and even as there's some maybe discouragement from David and, you know, probably uncertainty, fear as these, these enemies around him, they're, like, that's got to be one of the most uncomfortable feelings. I'm sure some of us have felt this to some extent, maybe not to David's extent because, it, you know, it led to a lot of physical violence. But um of somebody pretending to be our friend, but not even just not friendly to us it, it, behind closed doors, but they're actively working against us. Um, I'm sure we've all probably at least felt that way a little bit, uh, but that could be a pretty kind of lonely feeling to have. Because if, if you get that feeling from one person, you can really easily allow that to develop into questioning everybody around you. Well, if this person is acting friendly, but I know they're working against me, you might question somebody that otherwise you wouldn't question at all. Um, but again, with all that going on, the fact that David is still referring to God as my rock, his foundation, that he, he's immovable. Um, again, that, that, I think that shows us that he's not doubting God. Um, he just feels kind of distant from him at the time because uh, it seems like God is delaying his response. Um, 
But in, in, as we go on and we read also, David, he, he's asking, yes, he wants to, he wants the, God to speak to him. He wants God uh, to listen to him. But we also see that he says that he does not want to be drawn away. Verse 3, draw me not away with the wicked. Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. That's that, that's that person, that wicked person in this passage is being defined as speaking peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. So again, they have the look on the outside. They look friendly. They look welcoming. They look like what we've already talked about uh, tonight as far as looking the part. But really on the inside, it's the complete opposite. Uh, you know, a, a sheep in, or I'm sorry, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, and so we, we see him, he's, he doesn't want God to draw him away. Now this draw people, drawing them away, taking them out of the situation. He says, don't draw me away with the wicked. Now this judgment from God is judgment that only God can do because only he is holy and ho- only he uh, is righteous. Uh, so we see David, he's crying out to God. He's crying out to him saying, I want to have this relationship with you. I want to be close to you. I want to remain close to you. Don't draw me away from, from here with these enemies of mine, these people who look good on the outside, but they're evil on the inside and they're working against me. Um, real quick, before we actually move on back up in verse two, this idea of, I cry unto thee when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. So real quick, that holy oracle, that's really kind of referring to basically the tabernacle, the holy of holies. That's, this is him talking about when I lift up my hands toward thy oracle, that's him worshiping. So hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, I lift up my hands towards thy holy oracle. So cry, him crying out, that's his prayer to God, and lifting up his hands is his worship. So, again, as you read through this, it can be easy to kind of see David as somebody who's kind of discouraged and maybe not sure of where he stands with God or how God feels about him. But when you really dive deeper into the words that he's using, he's referring to God as his rock. He's he's crying out to him. He's lifting up his hands in worship as he's continuing continuing to look to him. He's somebody who's pretty confident in who God is, who he's been in his life, who he's going to continue to be. Yeah. So then if he... So if it's, that's true, then why does he say that in verse 3? Like, why would he even think that God would draw him away with the wicked? So, yeah, that's why it's kind of, in my mind, as I read that, and we're going to kind of get a little bit to, you know, what we kind of do, and I already kind of touched on it as far as, you know, when you see somebody speeding down the road. But um, really, it's kind of that idea of when when we see others sin and we see other, you know, people living wickedly, we're really quick to asking God and wanting him to, you know, kind of throw the book at him, right? But when we're the ones who mess up and we sin, we're really kind of seeking out that, yeah, we're, we're like, oh, maybe we cut a little slack on this one, right? Um, so maybe that's kind of where he's coming from is David is also acknowledging, yes, these people are bad for this reason. And maybe he's recognizing, but I'm, I'm also not blameless. Um, that would be That would be my guess as to... Uh, as to why he would say something like that, because that does kind of stand out a little bit. Um, and I, yeah, we are going to kind of touch a little bit more on that. Um, but yeah, I think he, he understands who God, God is, and he's just crying out to him and basically saying that he, you know, probably feels a little bit lost, probably feels a little bit lonely. Um, and because of this, as we see, we, we continue to go on, and we're going to see him calling for this judgment for these people. Um, 
So as we go on into verse 4 and 5, as I said, that's David's call for appropriate judgment. Um, Now, as we go through the Psalms in multiple places, we see David calling out to God for judgment and to appropriately judge the wicked. Now, by Old Testament standards or what we've seen in the Old Testament, um, these enemies should be condemned and or executed for idolatry, right? We kind of see that that track record. And that's that's what I kind of mean as far as, you know, he sees this is going on, this is awful, this is horrible, uh, you know, they're idolaters, let's punish them appropriately how they deserve to be punished. Um, but really, we all deserve to be punished. And I, again, I think that's kind of where he's probably coming from when he says, don't, don't take me away with the wicked. I still want to be close with you. Um, he's kind of asking for that grace. Oh, right. I see, right, because then, like, if you say punish <clears throat> right, because I'm wicked mm-hmm. outside of Christ, then I can easily be swept away as well. Yeah. So, like, okay, got it. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's like, you know, the person who... They catch somebody doing they're not doing something they're not supposed to be doing. But in order for me to catch them, I had to break the rules. And I'm like, hey, you should punish them. Be like, okay, everybody's punished. You weren't supposed to be there either, kind of a thing. So, um, yeah. So as we see, he's asking for for this punishment for people. Um, and we again, we kind of do the same thing: throw the book at them, but cut cut me some slack. Um, but as we've already talked about tonight, God is going to judge. He will judge. But again, let's not let our emotion kind of push us to call for God's judgment as we see fit. Because again, he is the one in charge. He is the one who's judging. But rather, instead of doing that, instead of seeing somebody doing something wrong and calling for their judgment, let's share the message of the gospel, right? The undeserving sinners can be saved by grace. Sure, they're doing something wrong, but I've done things wrong. We've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So rather than kind of pointing people out, calling for judgment and things like that, um, let's, let's remember the truth of the gospel. One, to share it with others, but also to remind ourselves that we could have been that person. There could have been somebody else around us that was looking at us like we're looking at these wicked people and thinking the exact same thing. But, but Jesus, what he did on the cross is for all. So, which is very encouraging, but then also kind of very humbling when you think about the times when you do have those thoughts of looking at people and, and, and we think we're not doing anything wrong because, well, I'm not judging them. And you, but we do that thing where we're like, well, God's got to judge them for that. It's like, well, he had every right to judge me for what I was doing and what I, you know, still do sometimes. But thankfully, what Jesus did on the cross covers that. Um, but the wicked in this passage also, they refuse to honor God as God. Despite all God has shown them, they deny the obvious works of his hands in miracles and creation. Uh, so this is kind of like the idolatry that, of, that we see throughout the Old Testament. So th- that idea of this appropriate judgment for these people, this is kind of what they deserve. But again, apart from God's grace, all that is left is God's judgment, judging. He is, all that's left is his judging us on our own merit, our own works, and that only leads to destruction for us. So if we are willing to not acknowledge God's grace in somebody else's situation, you know, maybe it would be a good idea if we tried to imagine what our situation would be like without God's grace. And again, that's only destruction. So now here, before we switch to verses 6 through 9, where we see uh, David's confession of God's provision, 
I, if you want to mark here between five and six, we have kind of a hinge point where kind of the attitude and the language even kind of changes in the passage here. Uh, we have this hinge point between verses five and six where the, it goes from focus on judgment on the wicked to trust and confidence in the Lord. Uh, so again, and I think that's, that's kind of maybe David, you know, even verse three. Don't draw me away with the wicked. That's, again, him recognizing his need for God. And that's why it kind of switches. Maybe this is kind of a train of thought psalm, if you want to think of it that way. He's just kind of writing down his thoughts as he goes. And as he's going, he's going, you know, thinking these people deserve judgment. And he's starting to think like, you know, but I deserved your judgment. But you gave me grace and you continually provide for me. And that's where it kind of switches and becomes this whole thing of, of praising God and and you know, blessed be the Lord in verse six. So uh, that's another way that you can summarize these verses. Yes, David's confession of God's provision, but we can also summarize it by the quote of, at the beginning of verse six, blessed be the Lord. <clears throat> blessed be the Lord because he hath heard the voice of my supplication. Now that, that word heard there, we don't need an answer. Knowing that he hears us, it should be enough. Knowing that he hears our prayers, our supplications, the things that we, we bring to him, like that right there is amazing in and of itself. The creator of the universe, who we as mankind turned our back on, went against him, sinned against him, the fact that he even takes time to hear our prayers is amazing. Um, and then again, as we continue to acknowledge who he is and the power and knowledge and wisdom that he has, understanding that him hearing our prayers that's literally all we need because if we truly believe those other things, then we know that he knows better than we do. So when he hears our prayers, he knows the correct response to those prayers. And whether it's what we expect or what we think we need, it's the right response. And so just the fact that he hears our prayers is amazing. So, again, David's confidence is not in how God answers his request. We don't see him say that. He says, blessed be the Lord because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. We already saw earlier in this passage where from David's perspective, it seems like God's response was delayed. And so now he's, he's kind of flipped and he's saying, I'm just thankful that you've even heard my supplications. And it's also really cool that he just, he knows that God has heard him because he knows what God has already done. He's seen him work in his life. He knows that God hears his prayers and his cries out to him. So again, his confidence is not in how God answers his request. His confidence is in the fact that he hears his request. Um, and how God responds, that's, that's just completely up to him. Now, as we continue on and, and we read through other parts of the Psalms and throughout David's life and other portions of the Bible, like in First and Second Samuel, we see that God provided David with both protection and the sense of confidence. We see that in this passage alone. We see that he provided him with protection and a sense of confidence. He refers to him as my strength and my shield. Okay, that's his protection. Uh, my heart trusted him and I, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices. My heart trusted him. He has confidence that God is going to continue to be who he has always been. So God provided David with both protection and with that sense of confidence. Now, what's really cool is, is you, if you go through verses 7 and 8, you can kind of take that line at the beginning of verse 6, blessed be the Lord, and you could even kind of plug it in uh, into verse 7 and 8 where he's referring to who God is and what he's been for him. Blessed be the Lord my strength. 
Blessed be the Lord, my shield. Blessed be the Lord, my heart greatly rejoices. Blessed be the Lord, my saving strength. These are all, these are just four reasons, four of countless that we, if we sat down and tried to list them all, we're never going to list them all. Um, and one of them as we're making this endless list would be patience, that he has patience with us to sit down and try and write a list that we're never going to finish. Um, but these are four things on a list of many things, innumerable things that we can praise him for. Praise him for being our strength and our shield, our protection, our strength. Uh, we can rejoice in him for who he is, what he's done, and most importantly for us, and for David in this situation, now obviously the, the saving strength he's referring to here isn't the saving strength that we refer to talking about us being saved, accepting salvation, um, but God was still his saving strength here. Uh, but the whole point of it is it's not our own strength. It's the strength of, for us, our Savior, for David, it's the strength of God working in his situation. Uh, verse 8. At the end of verse 8, where uh, it says, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. If you want to make a note, uh, his anointed, he's most likely referring to himself there uh, as the anointed king of Israel. So God saved and is saving him from his enemies. Now, what's really cool about that is if we then take that idea into the New Testament, because in the Old Testament, who was it that was anointed? Prophet, priest, and king. Right? They were the anointed offices before the Lord. But if we go into the New Testament, and if you want to put this verse down, verse 1 John 2.27, 1 John 2.27, we look in the New Testament, as followers of Christ, we are anointed in him. So here we see the Lord is their strength, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. So in this situation, he's ref- David's most likely referring to himself as the anointed king of Israel. But we can take this... Um, aspect or characteristic of God of being the saving strength of his anointed. And we can kind of carry that over into the new Testament where we see that as followers of Christ, we are anointed at him. And I, again, I think we can come to that conclusion and agree that he is very much. So our saving strength, both just as our salvation, but even each and every day, if we fall back into sin, if we fall into temptation or just to help us get through a difficult situation that we're facing uh, that, you know, without him, we have no idea how we would be able to handle it. Um, he is our saving strength in those situations. Now, there are four, uh, four words or phrases that really just kind of stand out, and I really we just touched on them, but that stand out in that, those last four verses, but I think can also be our takeaway of how David sees God in how he's worked in his life and how he still trusts in him to be these things, even in the situation when his enemy is pretending to be on his side, pretending to be friends with him, but actually working against him. Even in that situation, David knows that God is going to be these four things. And that's those things in verses uh, seven and eight. So strength, shield, Song, so, you know, that, that, that song of rejoicing in him and saving grace. Now, when I think of that, that term of him being kind of our song, uh, I like to picture that as, you know, when you have a song that's just stuck in your head and you go throughout the day and it just keeps popping back in, you know, all throughout the day. Um, now, usually that, that gets kind of annoying. 
you know, it gets stuck in your head because it's catchy. You kind of like the song um, most of the time. Sometimes you hear a song so many times that it just gets stuck in there and you hate it from the beginning. Uh, but this idea of just, you know, the song throughout the day. If we view as, as God as just this, this song that we continue to go back to throughout the day, it's continually on our mind, that's the kind of song that we don't want to get out of our head, right? We want it to stay stuck there because no matter what you're doing when you have that song stuck in your head, it comes back up. No matter whether you're, you're at work, you're at home, you're doing whatever it is, it comes back up. You're like, man, I cannot get this out of my head. If we could be like that with God in our relationship with him, no matter what we're doing, our mind goes back to him. And we're kind of having that, what he's talking about here, that relationship with him, us speaking to him through prayer, him speaking to us through his word, that idea of him being that song that's kind of stuck in our head. I really like that, that image of, of what that is. So, to, to kind of wrap up the passage, um, and I'll give anybody a chance to share if they'd like to. Um, David, who's also a shepherd, right? We know that he's a shepherd. He's using shepherding terminology when we kind of look through and we see him being that protection, right? My strength, my shield. Uh, even if you want to go back to the first three verses of drawing away, right? drawing away the wicked, getting rid of the, the bad things. We see him using shepherding terminology to speak about the Lord's guiding security for the nation of Israel, um, which, again, that's also, this is kind of a side note, but, um, and I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about sharing the gospel, uh, the best, you know, one of the best ways to share the gospel is to share it through telling our story and things that, that we know how we've seeing God work in our, our lives and, and connecting it back to his word. And that's what David's doing. He's kind of using what he knows. He knows shepherding. This is, you know, after he's removed from that, he's the anointed uh, of God to be king. And he's the shepherd, and he's using his knowledge to kind of describe how God is. This is an image that I understand, that I know, so I'm going to use this to describe him. Uh, so it's just kind of cool how we're able to use things like that, things in our life, Again, it's not going to be a perfect representation of God because God's perfect and everything in the world is imperfect. Um, but it's just cool how we're able to kind of do that. Um, but So he's using this terminology, this shepherding terminology, to speak about the Lord's guiding security for the nation of Israel. Uh, he knows God will not abandon his people, uh, which is God's inheritance, uh, because so God's inheritance is the fact that he's not going to abandon us. Right? We're always with him. He's, he's always going to be with us. When we accept that, get to salvation, that does not go away. I'm gonna, never going to leave you nor forsake you. Uh, so he's not going to abandon his people because he's a good shepherd that cares for his flock. Um, and Jesus demonstrates this. If you want to write down, he demonstrates this in John chapter 10. Um, but ho- however, this is not a new characteristic with God, right? This isn't something that, you know, it's not like God 2.0. We worked out some of the kings from last time. It's, it's not, this is not a new characteristic. He's always, he always has been, uh, and always will graciously care for his children. Whether it's the people of Israel that we see in, in the Old Testament, where again, we can kind of from a distance, us looking back, reading the Old Testament saying, man, they were horrible people. Look how they messed up all these different times. They screwed up every step of the way. Uh, but we see God continued to show them grace, continued to show them mercy, continued to be there with them, even when they were in captivity, right? We see the, the fiery furnace. That happens when they're in captivity, yet they have his protection uh, in the furnace there with them. So he has and always will graciously care for his children, even, even now. 
Um, so this will always lead his children to praise and sing the line that we have from this passage that we can really kind of take out from this passage. The one line that we can take out that no matter what the circumstances, no matter when we look and we see these discouraging things around us in the world or even in the church, these things that discourage us, we can still take a step back understanding who he is and be able to say, blessed be the Lord. And that's really kind of the, the key phrase that we can pull away from this of, you know, blessed be the Lord. You think of Job, right? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's such an amazing, like, kind of mind-boggling mindset to be able to have in that situation, in, in the moment that he's losing literally everything. If, if, you know, somebody, whether it's today in our time or back in Job's time, you were to list, like, all the important things in your life, right? Family, you know, property, land, like, all these possessions, all these things. He lost everything. And in that moment, he's able to have the perspective of, well, God gives, he takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's so amazing, so encouraging um, and hard to comprehend to be able to have that mindset in such a difficult situation. Um, but really, again, we see it all throughout the Bible. He's not the only one. Even David here, right? He has these people pretending to be his friend, and they're working against him. But regardless of all that, regardless of it seems like God's delaying his judgment on these people, it seems that God's delaying his answering of my prayer, regardless of all that, blessed be the name of the Lord, because the circumstances, the situations that are going on around me, they're not going to affect or change who he is. He's always been the same. He's always going to be the same. So blessed be the name of the Lord. So um, does anybody have any comments that they would like to share? That you know, maybe uh, a note that you made that you pulled out from this? I mean, there's so much here. It's such a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that, you know, like when you think of it in a Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really know too many negative connotations. Like, like I mean, I guess maybe you and here, your aunt Mabel's like homo collection or something. I guess sometimes it could be, you know, you know, like a a property that's condemned that is now it's just a hassle. But that right. you're really starting to nitpick and kind of right, right, right. really trying to find something that's a, a negative inheritance. Because right. I mean, normally you think of an inheritance as like just a blessing, like yeah. a good thing. Like yeah. it's it, and for the Lord, think of us as His inheritance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That is just like really, you know, I mean, I know for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, mm-hmm. despising and shame. But I mean, like, it, like not only did he, I mean, he did it to glorify his father, mm-hmm. he went to the cross to glorify his father. But the outcome of that was to gain a people, like, as his inheritance. Yeah. It's just like so mind-boggling. It's, thing, like said. well, when, you know, it's kind of like the phrase that we hear, what do you get the man who has everything? He, he didn't need to have, like, didn't need to have us, right? He doesn't, he was complete and full on his own, right? right? But that, he loved us so much that he wanted right. to have that relationship with us and yeah, was willing to do that. And sometimes I even struggle with that, like, for a long time. Like, thankfully it's passed and hopefully it doesn't come back. But sometimes I would, I know this is, like, wrong. I know it's heresy to think this. But sometimes I feel like, what is wrong with God that he would want us? Like, to that extent, like, like there's something wrong with you that you would want to send your, your beautiful, perfect son mm. to be crucified and, like, demeaned and, 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 and spit on and, like, condescend into, like, your, the human form that he created and mm-hmm. to go through everything he endured, like, for us. Like, I, it's just... 
Well, that's what I think. I think it's so crazy to think about. And I think, you know, part of the reason that he, he did that is because his love was so great for us. Now, why was his love so great for us? I don't know that we're going to know that answer. Um, now, you can maybe find a little bit of it in the fact that when you look at creation, he spoke everything into, into existence and then formed man. Right. He, he physically formed man as opposed to just speaking into existence. So he took that time. He took that care. But then you would think that I did that. And then that creation turned its back on me. And to, to me, it's also kind of crazy to think about that. His love is so great for us. He so he, he before he created the earth, he knew we were going to be here right now, which means before he created everything, he knew that Adam was going to sin against him. But he still went through with creating. So it's, you know, that's that's one of those things where, and I think maybe why it kind of seems that way and way, why a thought might come to our mind like that is, um, and, and it, can, it can sound almost on the surface of like demeaning to ourselves. Um, and it could be in some instances, but I don't think it's necessarily that. We, we understand that we are not on the same level as God. So why would, like you said, why would he do that, uh, you know, go through that himself, send his son through that for, you know, a creation that is, you know, definitely lesser than him. But that's one of those things where we're trying to understand God with our human mind. And so it, you know, it, it's one of those things that, especially if you're somebody who likes to have an answer for things, like, like I'm the kind of, you know, mentality or mindset where, okay, here's a problem. What's the solution to it? Here's a question. There's an answer for it. And then to kind of get to it, be like, well, I, I don't know. Like, because I, I can't comprehend God who's on, on this level on a different level than myself. Cause I have, I have a human mind. Um, so to kind of get to the end of it and be like, that's something that, you know, at least on this side of heaven, we're not going to be able to understand, but you know, I would, I would think even when we get to heaven, there's, you know, probably some things that we still wouldn't understand because we're, yeah, yeah, we're, we're heavenly beings, but we're still a creation of yes, him. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. And but. the other thing, too, I think of, like, sometimes you think of, like, what is man that you're mindful of? And you think of, like, the universe and the stars and all of that, and you start feeling like this little bit. But the point of that is not to make us feel like this little bit. I mean, because we are, but... The point is to, like, magnify how amazing God is. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes when I do get that blasphemous thought, I think of, like, okay, wait, but the point is that God's love is so other. Mm -hmm. And so, like, because we can't even comprehend the kind of love that he is. Yeah. So that's the thing is, like, it's, like, it's a to magnify God and his attribute of love. Mm -hmm. and like, what is that? I mean, still to even try and comprehend that, it's, like, impossible for us. Yeah. I think that's might be part of the point of it is to glorify him. Yeah. And that's, that's where it kind of gets a little confusing for me sometimes. Like what we talked about this morning, uh, love others as I have loved you. And it's like, okay. Um, I, uh, I, I can definitely try, but again, that's, we, we allow him to work through us. Um, and again, he, he, he wasn't asking, he never asked us to do anything, you know, that if we're allowing him to work through us, he's not going to ask us to do something, you know, in our own ability, right. which uh, is is encouraging to to think that we don't have to go at anything alone. Um, but then also it's just another great reminder of how great and powerful he is. So anything else? No. Nope. All right. Well, let's we can go ahead and pray and uh, you can be dismissed.
Dear God, I just thank you for tonight once again, just allowing us to be able to come together and uh, to worship you and lift you up and to go into your word. And God, I pray that we could uh, have the, the mindset of David, that even when the wickedness is around us, uh, and, and it can be really easy to look and, and want judgment on that wickedness and and wonder why you aren't doing anything. God, first of all, I, I pray that we would remember that ultimately, as was mentioned earlier, uh, that you are in control. And we we know how this all ends. And that that's an amazing reminder to be reminded that you are fully in control. It may seem when we look around us at certain times, it may seem that you're not, but we know from what we've read in your word, from what we've seen in our own lives, when things seem crazy, that you are always in control of every situation, God. And that's such an encouraging thought to have. But I pray that if we find ourselves in that area that David was, that we would also recognize that we were also wicked and in need of a savior. And we thank you so much for sending your son to die for us, uh, for that love that was displayed on the cross. And just thank you so much. We'll never be able to, to thank you enough for that. Uh, and we're never, we can never repay that. But God, I pray that each and every day we would dedicate ourselves to living for you, serving you, and uh, advancing your gospel. And just to, to do as David did, that in no matter what situation we face, that we can say, blessed be the Lord. So God, I pray that as we leave here and go our separate ways tonight, that we would have that on our mind. And that uh, as we go throughout the week, that we would find ways to share that with people. That no matter what it is that we're facing, that you are bigger than those things. And that we can always say, blessed be the Lord. So again, just keep us safe as we head, our, uh, as we head home tonight. Pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.